Welcome to FinTech Brews and News, brought to you by Central Payments and Falls FinTech. I'm Nikki Rohde. And I'm Trent Sorby. Founders, co-founders, payments professionals, and, well, just people who love brews. This is a place to get a behind-the-scenes look at unique partnerships and ways to bridge the financial gap between banking, startups, and the entire fintech industry. Whether it's a beer or coffee or something else, there's certain to be a brew in every episode. After all, how do we function in this space without it? Each episode, you're sure to take away some good stuff going on in the financial technology space. So without further ado, let's grab a brew. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Fintech Brews and News. I'm Nikki Rohde, flying solo here today and super excited to continue a series that we're calling Women in Fintech. This is a segment that we're highlighting some women entrepreneurs, business leaders, and just powerhouse women that have trailblazed part of this uh, journey we call fintech. So I have a very special guest today that's here with us. Miley Vignes is the head of growth products and innovation at Snap Finance. Uh, Miley, thanks so much for being with us. Yeah, and thanks for having me here. I'm excited to be part of this and helping to celebrate women in fintech. So happy to be here. Absolutely. That's such a joy. Um, I want to always start off just by giving you the chance to share a little bit about your background and what you're doing today. Yeah, background. Man, uh, my whole background has been in financial services, and I find myself lucky to have um, stepped in even during school and my internship and be able to be in an industry that had so much opportunity for change and being able to, I found my passion mixing financial services and being able to help those that are not or were not traditionally served. Um, so much of my career has followed that path and more in the back, let's call it the back half has skewed more into um, new product innovation and using tech to help more broadly serve, give access to. Um, so again, have found myself very fortunate and that I found that passion sweet spot and been able to um, not only lead innovation teams, but most recently at Snap be able to uh, uh, start a new business unit, um, again, to more broadly serve those that just, uh, you know, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, who knows, even five years ago, the rate of change is so great, um, we're not served. Yeah, absolutely. How long have you been in, quote, fintech? Don't need to reveal any age numbers, but it's been <laughs> it's been a while, right? Yeah, yeah. I would say the better part of um, 10 plus years. So um, I, again, feel really fortunate. Um, also really excited that I feel like we've just scratched the surface. There's so much more room for innovation and the rate at which um, change is happening and I feel like you blink or on a weekly basis, you see new players popping up. So what an exciting and just invigorating. I, I The potential and where we're headed is still really limitless. It really is. I, I think you're so right. There's so many industries. And if I may be so bold to say like traditional banking kind of reminds me of soap operas where you can miss it for 10 years and come back and be like, oh. Oh, so cool. Marlene is still alive and doing the same things. Okay, great. But fintech, <laughs> yeah. it's like three weeks goes by and you're like, wait, what is that now? So 
DeFi and open banking and of course crypto and everything that that's doing. And then you still have incumbent banks trying to figure out how do I get into fintech. So it's just such a variety of angles that people can um, can can pursue when we talk about about fintech. So um, I'm just I'm so glad you're here to share a little bit about your journey. Um, would you tell those listening? A little bit about Snap Finance. What is the company and what do you guys do? Yeah, absolutely. Today, um, Snap Finance is a point of sale lender or financing company that uses alternative data to really, again, serve more broadly. Um, I, I think it's about 40% of the adult population don't have access to traditional financing. And those are the folks that we're serving um, using. Um, uh, again, non uh, data that's not traditional credit score data to unlock that access. Um, we've been in business for, it will be 10 years this year. Um, I've been part of that journey for just over six. So has been amazing to see the growth and how we are able to continue to push the envelope on how we can serve more of the underserved market. And most recently in my current role, being able to serve with other products outside of that core point of sale lending or finance. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that, that newest business line or newest product. What are you up to? Yeah. I, I can't share details because mm. we're just about, Stealth. but, but what I can say is our job um, and what we've always been focused on as a company is to provide that access and stability in our customers' lives. And my job and the team's job now is to take that evolution of our organization to really serve and that job to be done right now that we believe is taking our customers from that state of, um, you know, that hamster wheel, that cycle of financial volatility and give them stability, give them access to products that take the surprises, take the fees, take the unknown out, give them a, a guide and a financial I've described it as a financial concierge, financial friend that helps them really make those decisions that are hard to figure out on your own. And I'm not just talking about the underserved. I would say all of us would probably raise our hand saying, I don't consider myself an expert. And that's really the evolution and mission that we're on. So very soon to come, you will see other products that will again, more broadly serve in our customers' everyday life to um, help them, again, from volatility to stability. Mm-hmm. And if we're doing our jobs really well, onto some early stages of prosperity. Central Payments is your partner uh, behind what you do at SNAP. And I'd like your perspective. I certainly have mine. But what's yours on why the relationship has worked so well over a number of years? Uh, what's what's the the value in the partnership right now? Yeah, from the very beginning, it's a really great question. And from the very beginning, I remember sitting down at a restaurant with Eric and Trent and talking about how we might partner together. And the, the thing that he became and rang loud and clear was our aligned focus on serving the underserved and giving that access. So that set that foundation that we are both focused in the same way. So I would say, again, that aligned vision, passion, mission to help But then our teams, our teams have worked really well together. And I think, again, the the culture and how we work and how we think about. So very early on, we were um, asking about a solution that didn't exist to be able to uh, allow our customers to more easily and more broadly use the financing that we offer. And we sat down um, with Trent and he was 
able to quickly see and understand the issue and develop a, uh, a solution that was innovative at the time. Now, some of our competitors come to market with a similar card, um, uh, but we were there, I think, you know, two, maybe even arguably three years ahead of time. So I think, you know, and, and as we continue to build the partnership, and I think to your question, why it's been such a long-term, um, very healthy and successful relationship was that central payments um, has a deep appreciation for uh, compliance, risk management, but at the same time, being able to balance innovation and agility um, to help serve fintechs like SNAP. Mm, I love that so much. The, the My favorite thing about finance and fintech is that it touches, money touches everything um, in life mm-hmm. from, to your point about the marginalized all the way up to the affluent and anybody in between. And I love that fintech is constantly evolving and looking for ways to help. And I've kept a few little ticks over on this side. And in the few short minutes we've been talking already, you've talked about help at least four times. And that heart and that mission of we want to help, we want to serve, and again, moving people across the spectrum of whatever they need to have access is such an important social good that we really resonate with. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I'd like to take a a smidge of a shift into entrepreneurship in general. Um, You know, being women in fintech, we know the numbers and the statistics are what they are. The gap is being closed. Um, women are starting more businesses now than ever before. I think the latest stat I saw was there was a 20, 27% growth uh, from 2020 to 2021 of female entrepreneurs. My question to you is kind of in that same vein. What challenges have you found as a female founder, co-founder, entrepreneur? Yeah, I think, you know, there there's quite a few, um, you know, the, it's the balance of, and not only just female, but being a mother, um, overcoming that, oh, I feel like I'm not giving my all on either side of things, um, down to, hey, I don't feel like I have the same voice, and how do I stand shoulder to shoulder with my male counterparts. I think nothing that I would say around the issues that have that I've faced are probably things that are new, however, or, you know, things that haven't been experienced. However, what I'd love to talk about is what's important and how do you help overcome and move through those. And I have in my career, I didn't deliberately search this out earlier on, but I've had some amazing opportunities where I have such a strong network of women leaders that I can rely on, can be my advocate, can be my shoulder <laughs> to lean on, can be the ones that I can ask the questions, hey, this happened. Am I, am I seeing that, right, that you can have that trusted network that is that sounding board and really help you balance and overcome and feel that support where you may not necessarily have that with your coworkers or your um, other, you know, the the VCs or, right, that may be funding you. Um, I think that's so important to find that group of, again, other trusted women leaders that you can really count on. I, I was part of... Um, and know that 
um, Money 2020, they have a program called Rise Up. And I was part of the inaugural cohort of that. I didn't know what to really expect, but I knew I had a passion for helping bring more visibility to the gender um, imbalance in financial services and payments. But what I got out of that was an amazing group of about a dozen female leaders and all the cohorts now to follow. We've all become this group and I can't say enough for having those types of people in your life to be able to, again, manage, navigate, develop the resiliency and strength um, to be able to be that strong leader um, because we will inevitably face more challenges than potentially our male counterparts may. Thank you for bringing that up about Rise Up uh, because I was thinking about that. What groups you've been exposed to or fortunate enough to connect with or or build or just be a part of that other women can um, can know about and learn about. So Rise Up is one. I know there's Women in Payments is um, a, a page that's on LinkedIn and of course all over. Um, any other groups that have served you well? I love that you said advocates because we're really good at finding mentors uh, to get us a different vantage point. But there's also so much value in finding an advocate, that person that can create that confidence, edification, and encouragement in all of us. So any other groups that come to mind that you know of? Yeah, um, WNET has been great. Um, I've been able to um, crash a couple other regions um, events, but we are working on starting one in the local um, kind of Salt Lake, Nevada combined area. That's been a women in fintech that's actually based out of New York, but have, um, I think COVID has helped open up those types of groups uh, more nationally. So that's been a great group as well to find others and other connections um, as well. I would always open up my network to others. I mean, this it's, it's just such a comforting feeling to know that you have the folks within your network that you can be open, candid, ask those questions or turn to for pretty much anything, not just career related necessarily. It might be work, it might be personal. And that has just given me a level of comfort and confidence um, to have have those types of, um, again, groups and women leader in my, leaders in my life. Speaking of New York, um, you have not only one company out of New York, but another one. You've been a mentor for Falls Fintech, a lot, uh, Falls Fintech cohorts that come in. So these are early stage Fintech companies. And there is one that was out of New York called Fritch. And Fritch yeah. is founded by two women and you've helped mentor them and they're killing it. Can you talk a little bit about the joy you found in helping those women uh, get their business off the ground as well? Yeah, it was so fun to see um, both Katrina and Alexandra. They did not have financial services experience, but man, do they have acquisition and right the charisma and drive to and be able grit, to you know, and we hustle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I loved the problem that they were trying to solve. As well, as well as being female founders and just, again, that drive, not knowing the financial or fintech industry and saying, hey, there's this problem here and really not only being passionate about making, but listening and and open to to feedback and asking questions. Um, They're solving the problem that um, in, in, again, access and help 
um, what I called, you know, right, we need a manual for real life. You go through and you may graduate from high school or you may graduate from college and not a lot of schools and even parents or right. Where do you get those learnings to know how to manage your money? And it was like, yes, you guys are solving. So you graduate them, you know, right. They were recent grads from NYU there. What do you do? What do you do? You you're now are making pretty significant. You have a real paycheck for the, for hopefully if all goes well, you have a real paycheck for the first time. What do you do with that? Your student loans maybe are coming due and there's nobody really there telling you what's a responsible way. And so they took that to the next level and they're doing it socially to make, take that taboo out of um, budgeting and financing and learning about where you're, you're seeing your peers and learning from them, but they're giving that guidance through the app and the experience. It was just such a cool way to deliver that. I loved when they came and applied to False Fintech. And my first inclination was, who in the world is going to want to share their budgets? And their? I know they don't yeah. reveal pay numbers, but there is a level of transparency in that. And I thought, surely... <laughs> does that work for Gen Z and beyond? I mean, how, how is that going to work? And they have just done such a fantastic job grabbing the market and saying, don't let it be a taboo to talk about. We share our fitness goals. We're yes. starting to talk more transparently about that, but, but more than anything too, um, the role that you've played in that Miley has been fantastic because their feedback back to us has been where has she been all our lives? <laughs> this is amazing, the feedback and the camaraderie that you provide. So I wonder, um, as you've mentioned the word help many times and serving, the um, what are the things that you would hope any other female founders, or, or maybe just any founders in general, if you could give them all uh, the advice that you give the Fritsch gals, what what would be a nugget or two? Oh goodness, one or two nuggets, Ooh, or three um, or four or twelve. You know, or... um, don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to ask because I, you know, as they started talking and we 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 first started, you know, working together, talk to me about the idea. What do you need? Where are you stuck? And providing, I. I have no hesitation of sharing. I'm hoping as I continue to progress in my career and I have different experiences and expertise, I want to be able to share those, especially with two uber motivated, talented women that are starting up and, and solving what I believe is a real problem. So don't be afraid to ask. There's so many people out there that are willing to help um, poke around. Don't be afraid. You know, just, I think that's probably the the biggest, and especially in an industry that may not be or is not uh, female or especially female founder dominated, is be out there. Don't doubt yourself, but again, find those and ask for ask for resources, help, expertise. I hate saying the word help, but ask for what it is you need and whatever questions you have. Yeah, I actually love the fact that you use the word help. And I know the context is, is various yeah. <laughs> and different, but sometimes it is. It's like, I, that's one thing we tried to do with false fintech is create, if I may, a safe place to fail together and not fail, 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 but, but be vulnerable and say, I don't know what I'm doing here because imposter syndrome is a real thing. And it is certainly a real thing for women who are standing shoulder to shoulder with their male counterparts. We know the statistics about fundraising 
and how difficult it is for female-led mm-hmm. organizations to fundraise. And so finding that safe place to say, I don't get it, is so important. Yep. And I'm glad you provide an avenue for women um, you know, falling behind the likes of, of your experience. So great. So thank you for doing that. Absolutely. So let's go a little bit into um, open finance buy now, pay later, some of those Ooh. trends in, uh, tell me your take on the movement towards that. You, you mentioned innovation early on. So uh, where's your headset with buy now, pay later, open finance, some of those newer-ish uh, movements? Yeah, um, two, two very different topics, but uh, yes, ab- absolutely hot ones and ones that you're hearing. Um, you know, I can I can start with buy now, pay later. We've obviously seen the new players of the more traditional, you know, pay over six weeks, uh, much smaller uh, dollar amounts, um, you know, skewing probably more millennial and younger um, in those services. You know, I, I think overall it's solving the problem of, of um, consumers or, or people wanting to manage and better manage and pay over time, right? That's really what that is. Um, it's interesting to watch, though, because many of these really started to bubble during the, the, the beginning and height of the pandemic. And I think there are, um, right, there's possible new regulation coming in. Um, uh there were some right economic stimulus, um, like a false maybe sense of security or repayment. So I'm interested to see where that all goes and if they are able to manage risk and be able to continue to offer that, right? Um, you know, does regulation come in and, and um, um, put the uh, ability to pay into it? Does that change how they're able to serve? I think, again, the overall consumers are saying they have a need to better manage and they want to be able to pay over time. However, again, some of the traditional, I think it's kind of let's wait and see um, if they stay the course, what they're offering today, if, if the constructs change, if they go longer, higher dollar, whatever that may be. But again, I think, you know, paying over time is not anything new and it's here to stay. Yeah, it definitely isn't new. It just the traction. I think you're exactly right too. The pandemic really revealed more uh, need awareness and so you have, you know, competition coming out for those that have pioneered the space earlier before. Um, how about open banking? Where do you sit on that? Yeah, um, you know, I would love to say, hey, we're just headed right down the path that Europe is and actually mandating mandating open um, open data finance banking, right? They're all slight nuances of, of each other. I, I'm a firm believer, especially, you know, being at, at SNAP and seeing how we use alternative data to be able to decision and give access to more and consistently over time. Um, what additional data sources can do. So I'm really excited to see the inroads of, you know, the Plaids, Finicities, MX of the world um, to be able to offer that. I, I think, you know, what that allows, again, it's just better, smarter decisioning. So unlocking um, more access to financial products or better priced, um, being able to just know your customer. It's in, in my mind, it's actually safer. It's much safer than screen scraping to have the customer unlock their data. Yes. And you have more confidence 
of that because you're getting real-time access to. So I think there's a lot of benefits. I don't know that we get to a mandate like Europe has gotten to, but you're definitely seeing the players and starting to see many or much more um, activity in fintechs being able to use that customer provision data. Yeah. What do you think um, regulation usually lags innovation? And so uh, what do you think fintech can do as an industry, uh, any trade groups and such to continue to move regulation along so that it's not uh, penalty driven, but more in line with innovation? Is it partnering with the likes of the IPA and organizations like that? Or how do we help move the needle uh, in that way, because we know that's always a barrier. Yeah, I, you know, I think it, definitely yes, partnering with with certain groups. However, there may not be a group <laughs> quite yet on on some of these things. But I think us coming back as fintechs and showing the value, right, of some of these. So we're we're talking about you know open banking and the data and what does that really and and coming back with the results. Look at we were able to serve this many more, we're able to take our customers from uh, a much different, a subprime product into a prime and having that transparency again, to show the value and that we're not just, you know, um, consuming as much data as we can and there's no um, perceived value for it. I think that's our job um, to share that um, and, and be accountable again, showing the value of what it is that we may be pushing. Like you think of, you know, you can just kind of feel the pending regulations around open finance, open banking, also, you know, blockchain, what comes there, digital currency, what comes there. I think, you know, all of us would be making a lot more money or be in different places if we could predict that. Um, but I think all of us in the industry know that's, you know, those are kind of pending three really big areas of um, potential regulation. Yep. Stable coin or not so stable yeah. coin. <laughs> yeah, that's right. What other things are you keeping your eye on from just kind of that idea of innovation, hot topics that you think? I mean, a lot of people, as I mentioned earlier before, fintech spreads such a wide gamut what's what's interesting that you're keeping your pulse on? Yeah, if I had to, you know, rub my maniacal mm. fingers together, you know, what I'm looking, yeah, right. <laughs> um, the three things would be uh, for sure blockchain and, and thinking, yeah, right, how do you use a very secured digital ledger? So you think of things like um, document storage and transfer. I think of the the mortgage or the mortgage lending process and the closing process. Anybody who's ever done that has a stack about this big. And then where do they go? Where do all of those physical documents that have pretty much your whole life um, in them? So you think about um, overhauling that um, P2P transactions, especially international movement and payments that could run off that um, capital markets. How might you um, have faster clearing and settlement? I think there's a lot of opportunity and that will, again, this is in my, in my view, that's a much bigger use case for blockchain than, than just a primary use case being for digital, digital currency. Um, the other one is that I, I think we're just stepping into some pretty heavy innovation serving SMBs. 
similar to how we serve consumers today and the underserved consumers, there's so much activity in figuring out not just your um, um, typical invoice factoring, but how do you give SMBs access like an enterprise merchant might have, leveraging fintech? How might you um, uh, evolve the supply chain? Again, especially serving SMBs that don't necessarily have that buying power or leverage. How might you be able to help um, uh, think about, again, um, buying power in a different way than a buying group? I think, you know, as you look around and as I've been you know, monitoring, there's just a lot of activity happening in that space and potentially the next uh, bubble or sizable innovation um, in serving SMBs. Miley, that's, that's super great. I also know that you are on an advisory board for a company called Funded. Um, the, I'd love you to talk a little bit about the premise of that organization, what the founding team is looking to do. Um, really, women are finding more companies, small to medium-sized businesses, but the access to capital is less. Numbers aside, what's that movement look like to create some parity? Yeah, I, thanks for asking. Um, I, I couldn't have been more excited when the founder, um, her name is Steph Sample, came to me and asked me to be on the advisory board. Absolutely. And I did not know the actual statistics, statistics but it is clearly out of skew. There are actually a high number of um, female entrepreneurs and SMB owners and much smaller of that percentage of capital goes to female founders. So what's what's happening there? And so she is working and we're working to figure out how do you unlock that access through support guide and tools. So um, it is not it's um, recently announced that um, being able to even think about getting a business credit card and helping educate. You don't have to use your own social security number. You don't have to use your your own family finances as um, collateral for that. It's things as simple as that, that many women entrepreneurs or founders don't know. And Steph is providing that education along with the products to serve and access capital and build that business credit over time. And again, it's been... Um, a fun journey so far. It's been about a year and um, live on and market with not only the access to the business card, but also grants marketplace to again, start those early um, steps forward and unlocking and, and bringing more parity to those women entrepreneurs and founders. Wow. That's, that's incredible. I, uh, of all the things that you're involved in advisory board and snap and everything else, what is there a common thread um, as you look at the roles that you play, you mentioned being a mother and all these things. What's that common thread that gives you joy in serving so many people in so many ways? Because it seems like you don't sleep um, and that you just pour <laughs> out and pour out. And so um, how does that look and how does that continue to feed feed your soul? Yeah, yeah. For, for me, until you said um, mother, I was going to say using tech to give access to everyone. Well, maybe, you know, it's giving my kids iPads. and <laughs> They, they probably break, like that too. Uh, having mm -hmm. a break. You know, um, uh, for me, I, you probably have heard the word help so many times that I feel like my life and things and doors have been unlocked and opened. I mean, I maybe charged a few of them, but um, they've been open for me because I have had so many people willing to 
um, provide guidance, provide help. Uh, what can I do? What can I help you with? I mean, so I, I would love to, I, I'm always looking if I can share my experience, my motherly <laughs> help, whatever it may be. Um, and then again, just have an absolute passion of helping those that might, again, not be served, might not have access to, may not have, um, maybe the, where I found fortune in my life, they may not have that. And um, again, I, I feel lucky for what I have. I don't mean luck is what got me to where I am, but I do feel fortunate. So being able to give to others is absolutely important and an underlying theme probably of what you're reading and, and you know, sensing um, throughout my whole life. That's amazing. And uh, all in all, I guess a person could summarize it as leaving the world a little better from a legacy perspective. And I love that you're touching so many, uh, so many lives with your expertise. Um, any closing thoughts that you think would be important, uh, again, knowing that this is about women in fintech, any, any parting thoughts that you would leave? Yeah. Uh, find your people, mm. lots of them, find mm. your people and that group and, and support each other support each other. I, again, I, I never, I'm willing to share whatever it is I have or wisdom dollars, my children to share all that and, and, and just do whatever we can to support each other. And that is more valuable than any dollars of funding or capital that I, I think could ever be offered. Mm. Well, enough said. And endless wisdom. Miley, thank you so much. This has been an absolute pleasure. I know you're always open to this, so I'll throw it out on your behalf. Of course, you're on LinkedIn. So if anybody wanted to ping you there, uh, they certainly could. But uh, again, thank you for your wisdom. Thanks for your, uh, your vulnerability and your transparency, which I think is also super important. Thanks for having me. Happy to be part of this. And um... Yeah, look forward to the continuing partnership with Central Payments. Yeah, it's going to be great. There you have it. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Fintech Brews and News. Keep up with all the content and cool stuff happening at Falls Fintech and Central Payments by checking out our website, our YouTube channel, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss out on our next episode. I'm Nikki Rohde. And I'm Trent Sorby. See you next time. Cheers. Cheers.